everybody. Welcome to Marvel Champions Monthly. We are a fan podcast about the card game Marvel Champions, produced by Fantasy Flight Games. So we are an unofficial fan podcast, and I am one of your hosts. I am Kennedy Hawk. I have two co-hosts with me today. I have Crimson. How's it going, Crimson? Going pretty good, pretty good. Going pretty good. Holidays are over. It's back to the grindstone and defeating some villains. Yo. And we have Americano. How's it going, Americano? Hey, it is going very well. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. How's how's your how's your toe feeling? I got an X-ray today, and the fra- or not today, yesterday, and the fracture is not gone yet. That's all. That's all that matters. Are you wearing a boot? Um, yes, I am wearing a boot. It's very exciting. Ouch! For a toe, isn't that annoying? A boot for a toe. A boot it's for a toe. a toe. It's like the small. It's like the small toe too, right? So it's like <laughs> the smallest injury ever, but you like can't walk with it. You're depowered. There's a reason why we got five of them. Yeah, our home office slash gym slash laundry room slash game room is all one big room. And my son has just learned how to roll free weights around because um, he thinks that it's fun to pretend they're cars. And he rolled them under a pile of dirty laundry that I ran into. And I may have yelled a lot of villain curse words. Definitely aggression. Aggression words, I'm sure. Yeah, I wasn't being a leadership player that night. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, he was asleep, so it was okay. So that's how my break was. How did you guys do over the break? I did okay. Um, yeah, played a little bit of Champions. Been streaming a ton. I've been playing a ton of uh, Seven Days to Die and Conan Exiles because, well, I'm a sucker for survival games. Get behind that. Sounds like a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we played a little bit of Champions. Um, got a couple board games for Christmas. Played some Unmatched, Cobble and Fog. No, Cobble and Stone. What is it called? Cobble and Fog. That's Cobble right. and Fog. You got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that system is pretty amazing. So, um, when, when you're, when my wife wants a rematch, like immediately, I know I found a good game that, sh- that we're going to play for a long time. So that's a keeper. Well, back to Marvel champions. Today's episode is all about the Kang scenario pack, both the villain set and the modular sets included within it. I think there's been sufficient time since this pack came out, so I hope we aren't spoiling it for anyone who hasn't opened it or tried to play it yet, but if not, you've been warned to turn this episode off if you have not played the Kang Scenario Pack yet and do not want to be spoiled. Give you one more chance. First, we're going to talk a little bit about Kang's lore before we get into the details of his pack. Kang is often referred to as Kang the Conqueror. He is a master of time. He's a next-level genius and a historical scholar. He's often a villain for the Avengers and occasionally a villain for the Fantastic Four, but he uses his superior intellect to return to key points in time to shape the future to his liking, whether it's giving him more power or more money or more advantage or just seeking revenge on his foes. All around, bad, maniacal dude. Because of this, he has a ton of aliases as he's traveling through time. He first appeared as Rama Tut in, like, Egyptian time in Fantastic Four number 19 back in 1963, and then a year later he appeared officially as Kang in Avengers number 8. And it's super funny because they, they'll like add aliases to him that may have appeared before his original appearance occurred and things like that um, as they're having him travel through time and do all sorts of things. Obviously, really classic character if he's been around since the 60s. I mean, those are single-digit Avengers, barely double-digit Fantastic Four issues that he was in, older than Claw even. You'll get to know some of these other aliases um, that I was mentioning, like Ramatut, later on in the scenario or in this episode, if you want to continue listening. 
He's had many run-ins with the Avengers, um, and they almost all deal with time travel. So it's kind of a miracle that he didn't show up in the Endgame movie since it was all about time travel. But if you watch the Disney Future Projections um, shareholders presentation they gave in December, you'll see that Kang is coming up in the MCU. So some must-read Kang stories for the modern era. I'm not going to go into like a big description of all these stories, but these are ones that I've read recently. And if you want to hop on Discord and discuss them with me, be more than happy to. Um, so these are all modern era stories. We're not going back into any ancient archives. These are things in the last 20-ish years. So Young Avengers 1 through 6, here you're going to find multiple versions of Kang. You'll get to know Iron Lad and some of his recent allies and some recent allies you can play with in the Marvel Champions game, including Kate Bishop and Cassie Lang from Hawkeye's deck and Ant-Man's deck. So that's pretty cool. Um, Kang's kind of mucking about with the currently abandoned Avengers, and it's a really good run. Um, you can continue reading Young Avengers after that. There's a lot more content, but those first six issues give you this good idea of who Kang is and why he could be so terrifying. My next recommendation is The Heroic Age from Avengers Volume 4. This was almost the end of the Brian Michael Bendis era um, on Avengers. So it's right after the events of Dark Reign, where Norman Osborn is like ruling the world, and Siege, where Norman Osborn tries to siege Asgard. So it's just before Bendis moves on to the X-Men franchise. Um, a recently resurrected Captain America is sort of celebrating his return with the Avengers when Kang shows up out of nowhere to warn them about how this formation of the Avengers seriously mucks up the future. Marvel throws a whole gambit of villains at the Avengers, from Kang to Apocalypse in this run, and it all has to do with this warning and this signal from Kang, and you'll have to read the story to find out what he's doing there. And my final recommendation from the modern era is Uncanny Avengers. It's a more recent run. Uh, it took place almost not right after Heroic Age, but maybe a year or two after, right after the Avengers vs. X-Men crossover. A team-up mixed of Avengers and Mutants, so it's Uncanny Avengers, because Uncanny X-Men and the Mighty Avengers combine them together, Uncanny Avengers. Team-up of Mutants and Avengers travel through all these alternate dimensions on this continually spinning mission that starts spiraling out of control. And ultimately, it pits them against the genius and, you know, horrible plannings of Kang. So... Check out those three runs if you want to get to a little bit know a little bit more about Kang using you know the modern action art that like everybody loves from the current Marvel era. So it's really funny. Kang actually often teams up with other versions of himself. I mentioned those aliases. Um, I mean, Marvel has a multiverse, right? So there's all these different multiverses that each have their own Kang. They all travel through time. They get together in this group called the Council of Kangs, and they try to dictate what the time stream should be in the past and present to create the most advantageous outcome for the Council of Kangs. Speaking of which, next weekend is LCGCon 2021 Return of the Kang, running from January 22nd through the 24th. You can hop on our Discord to get a link to the LCGCon Discord server where all the action takes place, or just jump right there if you joined us last fall when we had our sort of kickoff scenario for LCGCon. A really fun weekend of just all sorts of gaming. So if you're mainly a Marvel Champions player and you want to try out Lord of the Rings, I can guarantee there'll be some people that will want to teach you. And if you're a Lord of the Rings player, just thinking about, hmm, I really like to try out Marvel Champions, this would be a great weekend to do it. We're actually teaming up with Vardane from Critical Encounters in a Council of the Kangs community challenge. So what we've done is we've created 50 alternative versions of Kang. 
and we're going to see if the community can take on all 50 of those versions in one weekend. And there's actually a standard and expert mode version. So what happens is you play through Kang 1, Kang 2, as we'll talk about later, and there's a Kang 3 in the Kang scenario pack, and you're going to choose a random Kang 3. But these Kangs aren't your normal Kangs. They're Kangs that are from all these different multiverses. So, you know, it might be Simba from the Lion Kang. It might be, you know, Kang McDuck. He, you know, is a penny pincher, so he might have some cost problems. There's these jokey custom scenario cards for level three versions of Kang, and it's going to be very shocking as you see what disadvantage or advantage that version of Kang gives you. So there'll be some method for tracking this. You can check out our YouTube channel um, in the next week or two, or I guess in the next week since this kicks off a week from now, for an intro video on how to join in on this Council of the Kangs event. All right. More stuff is over. Let's move on to the scenario recap. I promised that I would do this really quick. Um, I didn't have any volunteers this week, but maybe next week. So Kang is a really interesting and innovative scenario. Some of the mechanics have roots in a Lord of the Rings scenario, but there's a new twist in this pack. So we're going to talk just about the Marvel Champion stuff, just about Kang. So Kang, like I mentioned, has three villain stages and four main scheme stages. So that's a lot of cards just for Kang scenario pack. And unlike normal villains, where you use 1-2 for standard and 2-3 for expert, there's a 1-2-3 for standard and a 1-2-3 for expert. So the expert modes just have pumped up stats and pumped up uh, health thresholds for the most part. So to start, all players are in one game area fighting against Kang level 1. The starting main scheme, Kang's Arrival, hits all the heroes against one version of Kang. They're fighting this single, singular version of Kang. Unlike most scenarios, the villain doesn't progress to the main scheme stage 2 by scheming. Kang is trickier than that. Instead, when you defeat Kang 1, he, his when defeated text says you must now progress to main scheme 2A. So by defeating Kang, you're automatically forcing the narrative to move forward, which is a really cool and new way that Marvel Champions has of pushing us through a sort of like story-like scenario. So really excited to see them do more things like that in the future. Just as a warning, if Kang does scheme enough to pop the main scheme one, the, the main scheme one completion text says, if this scheme is ever completed, the players lose the game. So you do want to defeat Kang one and get to that stage 2A. Otherwise, you're losing the game in just stage one and not seeing two-thirds of the scenario. So you'll get to main scheme 2A once you defeat Kang. And the title of that one is The Master of Time. It instructs each player to reveal a random main scheme stage three. So you're going right from two to three, but each player is going to reveal their own random stage three, and there's four options. What that's going to do is put a different alternate alias of Kang into play in your own game area. So it's going to take, if you're playing with a party of four, it's going to take all four of you and divide you up into four separate areas. Each person will be fighting their own version of Kang one-on-one, -on -one, sort of. In a solo game, you're only going to reveal one of those four, which is kind of nice for repeatability because all those Kangs have different strengths and weaknesses. So as you pull a Kang, you might have a deck that's really built for Kang number one, but you pull Kang number four, and now it you know plays exactly to the weakness of your deck, and the tables have turned. So that's kind of interesting. I said you have to fight him one-on-one, -on -one, and that's a sort of one-on-one -on -one thing. Um, so when you defeat your individual version of Kang, at the end of that phase, you can join another player's game area. Once all four have been defeated, you can join back in with the main scheme and it'll advance to stage 4A. You can also let these versions of Kangs threat out. So each of these Kangs has their own, you know, main scheme. 
if it does reach the maximum main scheme, there's a sort of penalty, a side scheme that comes into play in main scheme 4A. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if you're just really getting beat up by your version of Kang, you're better off switching to Alter Ego, setting up your board, and just getting ready to take on that final villain. And those, those King Dominions are, si- are side schemes that just make him almost impossible to defeat, basically. Yeah, I would agree. You probably don't want to let all four Kangs escape to Kang's domain. That would be bad. So once you get to 4A and you progress to there, Kang 3 comes out, and he also brings your Nemesis minion into play. So there's a little bit of gaming, the timing here. I thought I would cover that right away before we skip it. So all of these um, texts about joining a new game area and rejoining game areas, they're all at the end of the phase. So if you defeat the final version of Kang at the end of the hero phase or during the hero phase, it's going to put Kang 3 out there and then immediately start a villain phase turn. But it also puts your nemesis minions out there. So if anybody quick strikes and you're in hero form, they're going to attack you when they come out. And then they're going to attack you again during the villain phase. So that could be like a lot of damage from someone like Vulture or Baron Zemo. And at the same time, there's some really, really deadly minions that could lose the game for you. Say you're the Black Widow player. I've had this happen. It was an alter ego form. I think I'll, I'll probably try to mention this whole story later. Um, Black Widow player, alter ego form. We pop to Kang stage three. Taskmaster comes out and he gets plus X scheme and plus X attack equal to the number of upgrades you have in play. Well, if Black Widow has got 20 upgrades in play, all of a sudden Taskmaster is going to immediately scheme for 20, and Natasha just lost you the game. So there's a little bit of gaming to be had there, because if you can defeat the villain during the villain phase, you don't, uh, the last uh, version of Kang, you don't reveal that Kang 3 until the end of the villain phase. So now Kang 3 comes out, all those nemesis minions come out, and you have a whole hero phase to try to defeat and gain control of the board before the villain activates against you. So that's my number one tip. Unfortunately, there's not a ton of ways to defeat a villain during the villain phase, right? There's a ton of protection cards. I know green cards are gross, eat your veggies, but I mean, sometimes you just got to suffer through them. So things like counterpunch and preemptive strike can let you do that. Um, and you can also use things like retaliate, but they're the real low damage things. So you've really got a plan for how can I pop this guy during the villain phase, if you want to go that route. Yeah, I, I've seen I haven't had that happen because I don't play Counterpunch, but yeah. So that's the whole scenario. You're you're stuck together, you're forced to split the party, and you're thrown back together. Obviously a little bit in solo, different in solo, right? You're fighting Kang, fighting a random Kang, and then fighting this final Kang that's always the same, but pretty fun scenario. Do you guys mainly play on Expert or Standard against Kang? Standard. I'll let you guess what I play against Kang. Heroic 3. Got it. <laughs> uh, I definitely play Standard Kang. Okay. I've played Standard the first few times, and now I'm playing Expert. So we'll get opinions from both points of view. Um... Is Kang 3 the first uh, villain to have 25 health per player? Uh, like, like if you play four players, you're gonna hit be at a hundred. Well, health. he only has twenty health, so you're well. A liar. In, in the first, in the yeah, in the standard, but in expert. Oh yeah, has... an expert. Um, isn't Ultron twenty seven? I think. Okay, okay, okay. No. So I just can't, there. but I can't imagine playing this four players. Sorry, <laughs> I can't imagine playing this this scenario four players. Well, why don't we go through our experiences with Kang? So, Americano. What did you think of the Kang pack, and did you enjoy it? Uh, um, yes, I do enjoy it. I obviously played on standard. Um, 
I have played it with two and three. I played it by myself as well. Um, I think that it it just extends you like it 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 builds off of. In my opinion, I love playing this game two players. And I think that this this scenario um, is really really good with two players. I played with three, and it took us a long time to play. It took us a long time to play. Uh, that could have been I, I can't remember what we were playing. I think we had. Um, I don't know if we had an aggression player, so maybe that's why. I don't know. Um, but it took us a while. Uh, we ended up defeating Kang. But, uh, so, I, I guess my, the biggest things that I love about this, I, I love that you have different players. I think that is amazing for a multiplayer game. Um, and you each fight a different version of Kang in his second stage. I think it's brilliant. Um, and actually, the first two times I played it, I, I might have been the first three times, I got the same uh, version of, of Kang, the Rama Tut. And I was like, seriously? I, I was tempted to just switch it because I didn't want to play the same one. I didn't. I, I, I followed the rules. But uh, anyway. But then when you get multi- multiple people in there, you're guaranteed to see different things. Anyway, it, it was, it's, it's been fun to play, yes. Absolutely, I've enjoyed this one. Cool. So you mainly played at multiplayer, which I think is a completely different experience. So Crimson, what did you think of Kang? I've mainly played it solo because I work overnight and I can play while I'm working. Um, yeah, I, I've I've enjoyed him to a degree. When so I started right on expert, and I regret every decision <laughs> I made there. Um. Because I mean, let's let's be honest. A, a lot of the hero or villain packs have been kind of on the weaker side. That's, I agree. I agree with you, and I'm okay with that. For the record, yeah, I jumped in with the expert, and I, I, I got the world handed back to me in a handbasket. <laughs> um, so I've I played him with my She-Hulk Justice. I played him with my Hulk Justice. I played him with my um. Spider Woman, Justice, uh, Aggression, and I played him with Captain America, Aggression, and I've I've had fun in almost all the games. I really enjoy having Justice against him to be able to control him a little bit because he's kind of a he's kind of a pain if you can't control the threat. Yeah, I can tell right there that you really like leadership and protection. <laughs> yeah. I, it's not that I don't like protection. Protection is probably my second favorite, but I don't like playing protection solo. And same thing with leadership. I prefer to play leadership in a group format versus solo format. So I haven't done a lot of Kang solo. One thing that's interesting there is a lot of times when you play the villain solo, it's kind of samey, right? You play Rhino solo so many times and he's the same every time. But with Kang, there's like a different stage to Kang. So you could randomly be sent somewhere else. Or you could or you could be like me with the first couple times and be sent to the same place. Yeah, I mean, they had to give you some advantage there. Yeah. And I, I went to a different place in, in each one of the playthroughs that I did. Um, and I chose the place. You know, I tried to choo- choose something that would be fun with the character that I was playing with. Nice. I played two Kang games that first night 
that can came out way back in October or whatever that was, maybe even September. And um, he was really fun. We lost both of our first two games. So we played on standard and I was playing two player with my wife and I hadn't told her anything about the pack as far as like how we're going to be split up and then we're going to have to come back together. And she was playing Black Widow Justice and I was playing not Hawkeye, surprisingly. What was I playing? I think I was playing Hulk Aggression. And uh, something happened against Kang 1. So Kang 1 has an ability. After Kang attacks, either place one threat on the main scheme or get plus two, let him have plus two for this attack. So I just kept giving him the plus two because I was Hulk and I didn't care about damage. I could just heal to full by flipping once and having downtime. And um, my wife got really excited about attacking Kang 1 and we had this chance to kill him. And I was like, I don't know if you really want to do that, but she did it and it sent us into our separate time zones. Um, and I had nothing to defend against the villain with and the villain just destroyed me. <laughs> so then I was like, I was like, well, you're on your own now. This is good. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. So we lost in, in phase two of Kang, and then we played it again, and I was like, I'm not going to tell her that we get like grouped back up afterwards. I'm just going to let her find it out. Um, and Kang 3, his scheme has a really nasty thing, so cover your ears if you don't like spoilers, um, but the fourth scheme stage that comes with Kang 3, when revealed, each player searches the encounter deck and discard pile, and set aside area for their nemesis minion and puts that into play engaged with them. Shuffle the encounter deck. So my wife used an ally to defeat the last like Kang 2 and we jumped to Kang 3 so Taskmaster came out and she had like 20 upgrades out and he just schemed for 20 <laughs> the very first turn. And we were like, well, that happened. That was cool. Let's, let's re-scoop this one. What were your top one to two cards from the villain deck that you'd like to highlight for listeners? Um, okay, I'll go. So it's actually funny. I actually took out the two, the scheme, uh, the master of time scheme, main scheme, because, so I set, sorry, I set it aside to talk about it. So that's why I couldn't find what you were talking about, because this is the card on uh, the 2A side that let's see is that right yes that's that's the card that that sends you into different directions so this this is the card the key to the entire the, the hook of the the scenario is this second stage of the villains uh, main scheme which it's kind of weird because it has like the you know, it, it's just in a general play area but then everyone has their own play area so the master of time just the this is where the mechanics of the 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 hook are found. So I, this this card is key. I love so I love that because I love that idea. I that was my top card. Um, and then something that I find um, very frustrating as a player, and when you're playing against these villains, I appreciate it because it does make. You know, it does it. It makes it so it's not just oh, a cakewalk. Is having uh, you lose cards from your deck. So, do you know which card I'm talking about? You stolen memory. Stolen, yeah. stolen memory. So, it's it's every time I see it, I get super mad because it's not just a few cards. It's eight cards, and you place the top eight cards of your deck face down underneath <laughs> stolen memories. You have to go to alter. It's an obligation. We'll talk about that. I'm sure. Um, you have to go to Alter Ego to perform an action. 
discard a mental resource, a science resource from your hand, then you can discard the obligation. But then all those cards underneath it get discarded. So brutal. It, it is. It is a very brutal card. Uh, it's at, at least it's not like you're skipping your turn, but it's it just speeds up that acceleration. Or, you know, gets you to uh, closer or sorry, closer to uh, an extra card draw. Um, anyway, so it could it could be one of those cards that's key to a combo you're trying. Um, I, I think it's it's a pretty cool card. And there's two of them, so it's, it can be really frustrating if you somehow get both, right? 16 cards from your deck are gone, and <laughs> that's all. I mean, you need to spend a mental resource, or not even spend a mental resource, it's discard D- a discard. card with a mental resource. Yep. So wilds don't even count. You can be like, I mean, if you lose eight cards from your deck and you only have five mental resources, there's a chance that you don't have any left, two, and that's real brutal. Two of those two of those obligations are almost half your deck, probably, so. Yeah. It's, it, is, it is a very nasty card uh but one that i think is i think is very well written actually um for what it does what it wants to do yeah i didn't have to worry too much about it because of uh justice but yeah i could see if i wasn't playing justice i would have some problems Uh, i did have a little bit of problems with it with captain america but it wasn't too bad so what cards would you point out from the set to really have people keep an eye out for if you're playing hulk Fear depowered. Yeah. Fear depowered. Absolutely. Holy smokes. Not only does it make it so you can't play Hulk cards, but you have to discard a Hulk card to get rid of it. And when you're running with the four four hand size, that brings you down to three. You got to switch over to uh, Bruce Banner, which you don't really want to do and can cause you to straight up lose like any of your you know, don't switch to Bruce Banner cards. Mm-hmm. It is a very brutal card against Hulk. Yeah, and I mean, at least Bruce has that sort of, like, fishing ability. But yeah, like you said, you lose those hero cards, and all of these obligations have alter ego actions to get rid of them. So any obligation that hits Hulk is just brutal. Hulk not smash. Yep. What about, what about you? I was going to say that there are obligations that I was going to point out as well. So the one that kills me, um, and I'm going to point it out because it's going to be something that makes you play differently, is Time Travel Hijinks. It's obviously got a cool name, um, some pretty sweet art. But the ability is, when revealed, discard the highest cost card you control, and then place it face down under this card. So if you've played an Avengers Mansion for four, say goodbye. If you've played a Giant Man for five, say goodbye. All your big investments go in the trash. You don't get to pick what gets discarded. Ultra Ego Action, discard a energy resource from hand, discard this obligation. And just like Stolen Memories, you discard the card that you put underneath it. You don't get it back. It doesn't go to your hand. It doesn't go to play. So that's extremely extremely frustrating. frustrating. And it's just every time it comes up, it's always after I've been like, you know, I could probably afford to finally play this mansion or this helicarrier or <laughs> yeah. whatever high cost card I've been avoiding playing because of this. It's always comes up the turn after that. So oh it's, my gosh. Or you get the runner. runner. And, and so I, I think, I think your style of play Kennedy is that you love to upgrade, right? Do you love to yeah. so pump them all out? P- pump them. Yep. You, you love to have uh, the, 
the thinnest deck you can. So I can see this being, I can ab- absolutely see you just pulling this card and you're like, are you kidding me? Just That's how I also play. Rage, rage flip the table. One, I compare it compare it to this treachery that's in his deck. Energy blast. When revealed in Alter Ego, discard an ally or a support you control. If it, if you cannot discard, gain search. I get to pick the ally, so that's what Stinger is for. I can discard my one card. Exactly, ally. exactly. But when I lose my Goliath that I've been like comboing around the whole game, I just I almost just have to scoop. Right? It's <laughs> it's, it's brutal. Oh, you know what? You're, um, you're right. It would be it, even allies. That's I didn't. I guess I don't play with that. cost card you control. Yes. Yeah, it's brutal. Oh, man. Yeah, leadership players hate that. Especially. Um, and then the other one I was going to point out is just the last um, obligation in here is weakened. So after you use a basic hero power, take one damage. So that's using a defense, an attack, or a thwart. This is really painful to She-Hulk. Like, she wants to get low in damage, but she doesn't want to die because she's trying to one-two punch. Um and here again, it's alter ego action, discard a physical resource from hand, discard this obligation. So you're going to have to flip down, discard a physical card, and then flip back up before you just start not taking damage every time you use your ability. I will say one of the, the better things is that She-Hulk doesn't mind flipping down because you want to flip a lot with She-Hulk. Um, the, the downside is that physical resource in the Justice deck is a little rough due to the fact that her physical cards are the cards you actually want to play because they're her damage cards. Um, and her stuff like lawyer lawyery cards, which you don't really care about too much, they, they are not physical. But the alter ego costs are perfectly fine for She-Hulk. It's that the physical cost was a little rough to get to, but it's just throw away a uh, ground slam or something like that. Yeah. Makes sense. They do use a lot of the word insight in this set too. So insight is when this card is revealed, placed a threat on the main scheme. And then usually there's another ability on top of that. So threat control is a, a thing you're going to have to do against Kang, I would say. Yeah. Crimson doesn't have to worry about that with playing justice all the time, but Murray Hill's got it for me. It's okay. We did talk about obligations there, so let's just briefly... That's sort of like a new card type. It's been in there since the core set. You always have an obligation you shuffle in with your hero, except for in Wrecking Crew, and except for in this setup. So it's actually really funny. The uh, Stage 1A is um, set up Kang, all sorts of things, and then it has you remove your obligation cards from the game. So you shuffle your obligation cards in, and then you immediately remove them. Or you can just not shuffle them in. Right, or, yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> <good>. <laughs> um, but you're not going to have your player-specific obligations, because Kang has a ton of cards that say, for the number of obligations in play, do this. Or place threat on the main scheme for each obligation at play. So you want to have not lots of obligations out there. But they've finally given us some like better definition of obligations. All of the hero ones, except for Doctor Strange, they they resolve immediately, so you don't have to worry about does this stay in play, where does it go, who can handle these abilities, it's just very obvious. But in the obligations that are in Kang's pack, that obligation is dealt to a player, right? They flip it face up, it enters their play area just like an upgrade or a support would, and that player is the only person that can deal with that card. So a lot of times, if like the villain has a weapon upgrade up there, anybody can take that hero action to get rid of that upgrade. But if you get depowered, you have to deal with that on your own. The second or third player in the game can't get rid of the obligation for you. So it's a very 
it's a much more personal problem. Yep. Uh, what What do you guys think about the villain stages? What's your What's your like favorite one? Favorite stage two, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Favorite stage two. Sorry. Um, so I think all of them are kind of tailored towards a different aspect. So I'll read them, and then you guys can tell me if it's your favorite. So there's there's Kang Immortus. He has two scheme, two attack in the standard version at 18 health. He has toughness, and this villain cannot take damage while there's a minion in play. So is that anybody's favorite? Uh, that actually is my favorite when you play with Anachronauts. That sounds horrible. It, it, well, I like that it combos well. Obviously, there's what, eight or seven? Uh, no, there's not that many. Let's see. Five of them? Five minions there? That's my favorite one to play when I'm playing aggression, because I can kill all the minions, and I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> there you go. Um, there's Kang Iron Lad. He has Retaliate 1 and Toughness. He is my least favorite one, because I hate Retaliate. Uh, you, would, you would hate Retaliate with Maria Hill, wouldn't you? Yeah, she cries every time. I mean, she's thwarting anyway, let's be real. Uh, that's that's true. There is Kang, Ramatut, Toughness, and this villain gets plus one attack for each obligation in play. So that's an interesting in-play thing. So when you're in these separate time zones, your play area is in play. So if Crimson has seven obligations over there and I'm facing against Ramatut in a different time stream, I don't care about Crimson's seven obligations. Now, if Crimson defeats Iron Lad and then joins me at Ramatut and brings all his obligations with him, yep. then I'm probably pretty upset. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, so, which bad things can happen? Which is kind of if you're playing with three players, right? That that's kind of a unique thing because you get to choose which um, play area you go to. Yeah, um, I like to go to the most chaotic one. That or just yeah, just flip a coin or something. I like to do that. Just because it's, I just imagined myself, okay, I defeated him, so now I'm sucked back into the time stream, and where do I go? Where do I end up? The last one is Kang, the Scarlet Centurion. He has toughness as well. Um, his attack scheme piercing, and he has three base attack and zero base scheme. So all of them come with a different main scheme that have different threat thresholds and starting threats, so they try to balance it with that with their scheme value. I, li I like I playing uh, Scarlet Centurion with protection. I hate this one. Scarlet Centurion's your brutal one. It should be Crimson's. <laughs> it, hurts. it hurts. There's no thwart to get rid of. There's no thwart to get rid of. fast. Yep. <laughs> and their expert modes just go up from there. It's just uh, an increasing in stats. So like the Scarlet Centurion, for example, was a zero scheme, three attack in standard mode. An expert, he's one scheme, four attack. and He still has that piercing ability. Four attack on a villain is it's rough. Especially because right. because King three doesn't have that. I mean, it gets he gets the plus two. Yeah, um, but he's not even at a four. So I think my favorite one is Kang the Conqueror, the number one. <laughs> so, what are some tips you guys have for playing against Kang? We'll go with Crimson first. Are there any specific strategies you think are really important? Um, burst them down. Um, if you don't have the ability to deal with threat, and even if you do, like you said, a couple bad advances and you're done. Um, I, I know logically you want to build, 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 move to the second one. But honestly, if you spend too much time building, you're likely to lose. So 
get a little bit of board presence and then just burst them down, get to the second one, and then try to work on that one. This is not one that you want to play around with. Um, that's really good advice, actually. Uh, my advice would be when you uh, separate to the different board, boards or play areas, have a house rule where you can't talk to each other because you're in different times and places. That makes sense. I mean, it might be kind of boring, but... Just yell over each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I don't know. I mean, don't play with four players. That's my advice. Because the game will, yeah, the yeah. Game will take all night. It's my a rather long scenario, right? There's it, three villain stages you have to fight through. That's a ton of health. Especially for a protection player, so... Yeah, so that was, that was going to be my advice, is make sure you bring some damage, regardless of what aspect you're playing. Um, you don't want to be playing Black Widow Protection with no extra attacks in your deck, because it's going to take a long time to, to get through Kang, even with all your pinging from preparations. And, and don't rely on toughness at all. I want to I play this with the uh, She-Hulk Aggression deck you sent me, Kennedy Doc, because that, that deck's actually really fun. I just said that. She-Hulk. She-Hulk. Aggression. aggression was um, fun. Wash your mouth out with soap. That's <laughs> dirty. <laughs> yeah, I think that that would be one of my main strategies. I would say there's a lot of side schemes you can deal with. One player tip, and they kind of say this in the rulebook too as like a strategy tip. When you're in that stage two of Kang, even if all the players lose their stage two, you can move on to stage three. So if you're in some like unwinnable position in stage two, it's not the end of the world if you just flip to Alter Ego, recover for a few turns while that Kang th threats out, and just build your board state. Yep. Like, it sucks when Kang's domain comes out because it's got three threat per player and Kang can't take damage until you defeat it. But at the same time, like in solo, three threat, I mean, that's one four justice or probably like one hero thwarting event. That's not a big deal. But in multiplayer, if, if all four players do that, okay, well, now you got 48 threat you have to burn through. That seems pretty bad um, before you can damage the villain. Um, and really think about those decisions, like when you can afford to do something like that. Same thing with Kang 1 and Kang 3. He has that forced interrupt when Kang attacks. You either place a threat in the main scheme or give him plus 2. If you're Spider-Man and you have backflip in your hand, give him plus 2 all day. If you've got tough out there, give him plus two and avoid the threat. Or if you've got, you know, like really good threat control cards in your hand, maybe you can afford to give him the threat and not give him the plus two attack. So just really think about that decision you get to make. You get to pick that. Kang doesn't. So it's one of the things where you could take power of the villain deck a little bit. All right, so three modular sets came in this pack. So let's go through the three sets. Who wants to read the temporal set or give an overview of the temporal set for us? I can do that one. Let me bring it. This one's probably my favorite because of the T-Rex. Me too. That's fair. So th this one not is not because of uh, the T-Rex. So there. Right. This, this one has a ton of minions in it. So if you're playing against a, uh, a villain that doesn't have lots of minions, this is a good one to throw in due to the fact that it will up the minion count in the deck. Um, and that's kind of what I've been using it for is like on um, villains that have a low amount of minions like Green Goblin. Well, not Green Goblin. Um, it was one of the Goblin ones. I, 
no risky um, business yeah yeah um one, one of them has a, a little lower amount of minions than than you know like a thor deck would want you to have <laughs> i actually played a thor deck recently um so it's got three ancient warriors they all have quick strike which is actually pretty brutal uh they're one two two so one scheme two attack two health with quick strike and then they have they don't have a a boost icon but they have a boost special which is uh if you draw this you become stunned these things are actually pretty brutal because the quick strike and the chance to be stunned by them um is really rough especially if you're playing uh she hulk right or hulk yeah 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 i mean it's really rough and then you got two soldiers which are a one one three the one has a star which is when the soldier attacks discard the top card of the encounter deck take indirect damage equal to the number of boost icons on the card so there are some villains that have really high boost icons and then having these in there really hurt but for the most part they're they're pretty easy to deal with um i you know honestly in like um a claw deck it's kind of interesting throwing this in there because normally you run masters of evil which give you villains these give you lighter weight villains but you know you now have two more uh two more minions i mean two more minions that you know go through the encounter deck even more uh which is kind of a claw thing so it's it's a really interesting package there and then you have the t-rex which is a zero scheme three attacks six health toughness and then his attacks gain piercing um he's a beast when he hits the board he he's he's there he also has three boost icons on him so he's he's pretty pretty beefy card but there's only one of them in there and then the side scheme is called time portal which is a a two threat per player starting and then when this scheme is defeated shuffle it into the encounter deck instead of discarding it and it's got a hazard icon so that's the best side scheme in the game yeah, I, I really like the sights game because it just keeps coming back. Maybe maybe not oh, the best well. one, but I think it's fun. I enjoyed it too. It can be really fun for justice players because you're always guaranteed that there's a side scheme in your deck for <laughs> just the word. all those when when side schemes are defeated yes. abilities. Yes. Perfect because it has two, which is just enough for clear the area to draw me a card. <laughs> Pretty cool set. Um, that's probably my second favorite from this one. The next one I'm gonna let Americano handle the Anachronauts. Yeah, you want me to try and butcher these? You want me to butcher these names, don't you? I mean, you don't have to go through all of them. Just tell us how brutal they are and how many times you lost. Okay, they are really brutal. Let's see. You got a couple of them. Uh, there's so there's five minions. Um, let's talk about the treacheries. So it has two, tre- two, five minions, two treacheries, and two side schemes. So the treacheries are King's Chosen. It has Insight, the Insight 1. Talked about the Insight keyword. Um, and then when revealed, discard cards from the top of the encounter deck until a temporal minion is discarded. Um, and then reveal that minion. So if you're, throwing, if you're playing with these, all of these have the, that keyword or that trait on it. Um, so... Basically, it's digging for one of these guys. And so they are, they're, uh, I guess, let's see. I guess Apocryphus, is that how you say it? Maybe. Only has four. 
But imagine this. When revealed, discard an ally or support you control. That, I mean... Get I, out of here. I, love, I don't want to see that I ever. Bet you love that card, don't you, Kenny? I, mean, I got a lot of Triskelions to discard. Don't worry. Okay. Um, my favorite keyword from this that that is on a minion is villainous and death i think it's death hunt 9000 i don't know who this character is this minion uh one scheme one attack uh with six health he's got toughness and villainous so we haven't talked about villainous uh when this minion activates you give it a boost card so he has one scheme and one attack but he gets a boost card um that is not something that you want to see ever but I think it's brilliant. It just makes the those minions feel like an elite minion because all these minions have elite. I, I think villainous makes him actually elite. That's uh, they're they're not easy um, unless you, you know unless you can burn through them really quick with aggression. But um, you know, I don't know. I, I, they're fun. They're fun. I, I like I like um, minion heavy decks to play against because. I like to see the different characters and how the designers and developers have uh, have portrayed them, because you're also getting one ofs in the deck. Like each one's unique. So, I, I, I that's that's my preferred um, like modulars or site modular set or villain sets when they have lots of minions. Um, yeah, I've been replacing my Masters of Evil with this set. So. And and when I say lots of, I, I mean lots of unique minions, not like uh, Ultron's drones. Gotcha. Uh, I guess I should talk about the side scheme too. The Anachronauts, it's a, uh, when defeated, uh, shuffle each temporal card in the encounter disc, in the encounter discard pile, into the encounter deck. So, it's sort of like, the time portal a little bit, but with your uh, each each temporal card. So, yeah. And interestingly, that shuffles all those anachronauts back into the deck. But if you're playing it with Kang, all those obligations have the temporal trait as well. So it shuffles all the worst cards from Kang's deck, the worst cards for the heroes, back into the encounter deck. So it sounds like some advice that you're giving is don't play kang with the anachronauts is that what you're saying oh no definitely do it and then <laughs> tell us how the game is too easy for everyone again yep exactly the thing with using uh this as a substitute for masters of evil is the kang's chosen will get one of these every time versus you know say you're using a claw um because claw has no temporal minions where in kang this could pull off one of the little guys because they're also temporal yeah, I would also say that all five minions have a boost ability, so they're going to be pretty good with Claw as well. And Claw is going to force um, minions the only, out already. These are these would be really brutal with Claw, actually. The only downside is the the minions don't have boost damage. Ah, uh, yes, they all give another boost card though, right? All yes. five, yeah, brutal. Claw with three boost cards, just yeah. what you need. Yeah, that's that's yeah. scary. I ha- actually haven't tried that yet, so maybe that's the next one I'll play. There you go. You should play it on Heroic 2. Yeah. Yeah, that's not we'll going to do that Heroic 3 challenge with Arachnorax def- instead of def- Tuesday Share. Definitely not going to happen. Uh. <laughs> All right. Well, the last set is 
probably my favorite set. It's Mastered of Time, the modular set. So there are eight cards in the set. First, there is Kang himself, Kang Master of Time. And this can be played with the Kang villain. They've given him a subtitle, so both can be in play. It's like Kang traveling through time and fighting with himself. Yep. The most important thing here is Wolverine is on the card art. So That is the most important the thing, yes. No more crying, Crimson. We have X-Men yep. right here. I don't want to hear it anymore. Just about to say it, but you got it. Um, toughness and villainous again. So he's got one scheme, one attack, and six health, just like that Anacronaut character. And then he gets plus one scheme and plus one attack for each obligation in your play area. So if you're playing this against Kang, that's going to be even more brutal since there's eight obligations in Kang's villain deck. Two more minions, um, two copies of Time Displaced Soldier, one scheme, two attack. Insight one and Surge, so it's always going to get one threat placed on the scheme. And three um, health. The boost ability there is deal yourself one face down encounter card. And this is one that's really brutal with Claw because Claw is drawing two cards every time he attacks. The last thing you want against Claw is not just to deal with two boost cards, but to deal with two face down encounter cards every turn. It's just not fun. He's got two obligations in his set. Uh, they're both called Fear of Kang. And this is one of the most pushover cards in the set if you're not playing against the Kang villain. So the obligation enters your play area. It says you cannot attack Kang. So no big deal if you're just using this modular set because if Kang hasn't come out as a minion, this card literally does nothing to you. Um, but when you're playing against Kang as the villain, all of a sudden you just can't damage the villain until you flip to Alter Ego mode and discard a random card from your hand to get rid of the obligation. So it can be pretty brutal. And it's a little bit of a gamble. Like, I've I've drawn both of those early and said, oh, Kang's not in my play area. It's no big deal. And then all of a sudden, Kang comes out, and now he's got plus two, plus two, because I've got two obligations sitting there, and it's it's become a bad day. He's got one side scheme, Light of Centuries Sphere. When defeated, discard cards from the top of the encounter deck until a minion is discarded. Put that minion into play engaged with this player, the player that defeated this side scheme. So it's got a hazard symbol, so you have to choose, do I want to leave the hazard out there or just get a minion right away? And a lot of times it can be pretty difficult to remove three threat and defeat a minion in the same turn. So you're usually stuck with one of these hitting you during the villain phase. And I, I love that that's going to go to a justice player, so that's great. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to touch that thing. Maria will get it down to two so that they can clear the area on it, and I'll just ignore it. And then the last two cards are two copies of a Treachery Ancient Grudge. And this is why those Kang obligations might actually not be a pushover in this Masters of Time set. So when revealed, Kang Master of Time activates against you. If you're an Alter Ego, he's going to scheme an extra time. If you're in hero form, he's going to attack an extra time. If he is not in play, search the encounter deck and discard pile for Kang Master of Time and put him into play engaged with you. So there are three cards in the encounter deck that could fish Kang out just in this modular set. Kang himself and the two Ancient Grudges. And then Light of Century Sphere is also going to fish out some sort of minion if you defeat it. So there's a pretty good chance if you play this set, you're actually going to run into this Kang mini-boss, which is, is kind of cool. So those are the three modular sets. Which was your favorite, Americano? I think Crimson uh, and I both said first. Tem Temporal is my favorite. I do like Temporal a lot because it's got a bunch of really low health minions. So it's great for like almost every aspect, right? The leadership uh, players can use Squirrel Girl to wipe a bunch of things out. Aggression players get like all that overkill greatness and Hall of Heroes activations. And even Justice players can like go wild with Stealth Strike against the Temporal modular set. I just, pretty fun. I mean, and you don't like, well, you said you didn't, 
that wasn't the reason, but there's a there's a T Rex in it. Like that's pretty awesome. There is a T Rex in it. It's it's pretty amazing. I was a little bit so when they spoiled this set on stream, they showed us the T Rex, but they didn't show us the rest of this modular set. I thought there were gonna be like people from like five or six different time periods. Um and we get like the Chitari soldier and like an ancient warrior that looks like he's from Ramatut's timeline. But I, I was a little disappointed that like there's three copies of one guy and two copies of another one. Like there's not a lot of variety within the set. It's the only thing I don't like about Temporal. What would you what what would you prefer? I mean, what what would you like to? Have I don't seen? know. I want like Zombie Abraham Lincoln or something like Zany. We got a T Rex in a modular set. That should be like, let's put all the craziest things we can from all periods of time and make them minions. This was the chance, right? Instead, we got Chitari Warrior because we really wanted to feed the Avengers one hype. It would have been a great time to have Stan Lee in there. Would have been cool. Maybe we'll get it in the future. (laughs) All right. Someone's listening that's going to now make a Stan Lee card. I'm sure. So, Kang, the villain pack. Where does this stack up against the other villain packs we've seen? So we've had Green Goblin, Wrecking Crew, and Kang. Is this one, two, or three? Two. Two. What do you have at one? Uh, goblin. Okay, that's fair. Ooh, ooh, I think I like this one more. I think I put this at one. I'm with you. I'm putting this at one. I like that Green Goblin has two villain scenarios you could go up against. But let's be real, Risky Business is not like the best villain scenario to go up against. Um, and I like the, the four modular sets that came in the Green Goblin pack. But And it could just be fatigue from those sets, but I found that the all three modular sets that come with Kang are more fun or more challenging than the Green Goblin modular sets that came with him. So I'm, I'm voting for Kang, even though his scenario is really, really long. It, it, yeah. And we, we don't talk about Wrecking Crew on this show. It's not a thing. <laughs> Sorry. Not anymore. Sorry, anyone that likes Wrecking Crew. Come find us on Discord, and we'll have a discussion about why you're wrong. Or why we're wrong. I'll, I'll admit, I can be wrong. I mean, not in this I situation. played Protection but... once. That's how wrong I've been. So. Oh, oh, man. Brutal, you're right? You're killing me. That was, a bit of an, that was a bit of an overkill. And <laughs> oh, if you guys stick around, there's a episode of The Card Text who are going to talk about all the different ways that overkill can interact with different minions and different scenarios. That's exciting. I love those guys. Great stuff. Because they do the things that I don't want to do when I get home. Read rules. Yeah, I think their slogan is, when you don't want to read the rule book, instead listen to the card text. And that's exactly what I do. I just hop on Discord and I say, I have this strange interaction that involves 10 cards. What do I do? And then they use the little bot to spit out all the card images and they tell me exactly what's going on. It's beautiful. I just, I just go get a beer and I come back. I tell you the wrong answer, and then you're like, well, what about this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, Scott, uh, Bob, what do we do here? Come on, guys, talk to us. Welcome to The Card Text, an unofficial mini-podcast about Marvel Champions at the LCG. We cover rules discussions regarding gameplay and aim to help fans of the game better understand the inner workings of their favorite Marvel card game. So this will be the uh, the December episode of the Card Text podcast. We will be talking about 
uh, overkill today. And those moment of triumph still work when the attack has overkill. Let's actually read the keyword and then we'll, we'll read the moment of triumph. Overkill, if an ally is used to defend against an attack with overkill, any excess damage from the attack, damage beyond the ally's remaining hit points, is dealt to the identity of the player controlling the ally, if able. Uh, in regard to minions, if an attack with overkill defeats a minion, excess damage from the attack, damage beyond the minion's remaining hit points, is dealt to the villain. And the text for a moment of triumph is, it's an event, hero response, after you attack and defeat an enemy, heal one damage from your hero for each point of excess damage dealt to that enemy by that attack. Alright, so question was, does Moment of Triumph uh, excess damage heals still work when the attack has overkill, or is overkill simply its own reward? And the response was, Moment of Triumph uh, does work with overkill, coming from Boggs. Uh, it is intended to work and was always tested that way, though I definitely see why there's confusion. I think in the next rules update, we need to rethink how overkill is worded, even without effects like Moment of Triumph. Overkill currently states that it only operates when an ally defends against an attack, which isn't entirely true. Overkill applies whether or not the ally defends, but it just so happens that the most common way for an ally to get hit with an attack is by defending. So if we're addressing that anyway, we'll also make, make it clear that Overkill and Moment of Triumph do combo. Yeah, so I think the Moment of Triumph question, a lot of the concern about it came from the particular wording, Moment of Triumph, which talks about excess damage dealt to the minion. Even when Overkill deals the damage to the villain, it still at least counts as having been dealt to the minion. You know, when you've defeated an enemy, you heal one damage for each point of damage dealt to that enemy. I think most people were okay with the idea that Overkill damage is still excess damage. A few people had, you know, there was question about it whether or not that's still qualified once it's been used for overkill, but particularly the, whether or not it was dealt to that minion, or whether it was dealt to the villain instead of being dealt to that minion, where a lot of people got hung up on the how it worked. That is a little confusing, because it's overkill does t tell you to deal it to the villain, but yeah, the question was, well, I'm dealing it to the villain, is it still dealt to the minion, or still dealt to you know whatever you're overkilling? And uh, it seems like the answer is... Yes and no, is that right? <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not 100% clear. I my my personal feeling is that you essentially apply the damage to the minion, then you check for overkill and you work out what the excess amount is and if that's greater than 0, you apply that damage to the villain. And it's not so much that overkill is generating an additional source of damage that is the damage that's going to the villain. It's just redirecting where that damage is applied. And and so it isn't it also isn't a replacement effect because it's not replacing the damage, it's just changing how damage is applied, I think. Yeah, I think one of the mistakes I made uh, when initially seeing that card was I did kind of feel like Overkill kind of felt like a replacement effect, but it's not the case that it's a replacement effect. Bog said in the end of his answer to the question, we'll make it clear <laughs> that Overkill and Moment of Triumph do combo. If the actual keyword text that they end up coming up with does make that clear, then that'll be great, because I think that'll answer a lot of questions about kind of how is this damage interacting.
I, th I think one other thing to mention about how overkill works is that whilst overkill damage is damage from an attack, it is not an attack in and of itself. I think that is important in understanding how some interactions work. So should we just go through the list of questions here? I feel like those are, that's a pretty comprehensive list uh, that we have. Yeah, sounds good. So if, if I overkill a villain stage one, does the damage carry over to stage two, stage two of the villain? Short answer to that is no. The, the reason is that there are sort of two aspects to it. Overkill really only deals with damage that is being dealt to either an ally or a minion and what happens to the excess from that and doesn't really speak about damage being dealt to a villain but also even if it did the, the different stages of a, of a villain are essentially the same character even though when you defeat stage one you are defeating that villain the next stage is not a separate character and, and so there, there isn't really any excess damage as such. Okay, moving on to the next question. So does overkill trigger retaliate? And this is, this is one we actually have a ruling for. I asked, is overkill damage considered damage from attack? And if so, why does it not trigger retaliate? Um, so I was looking for clarification and Caleb came back with overkill damage is damage from an attack it does not trigger retaliate because retaliate triggers after this character is attacked when your hero takes overkill damage they were not attacked it it was the ally who was attacked um, so yes if if a villain with overkill is attacking you when the attack is initiated you as the player are the target of the attack once you either choose to defend or not defend then a character becomes the target of the attack and if you're defending with the ally that ally is now the character that is being attacked and so the overkill damage from the attack is applied to your hero but it's not the case that your hero is then being attacked so if your hero has retaliate uh, that doesn't trigger but if you happen to be Spider-Man, you could still play backflip and get rid of all that damage, right? Because it's damage, quote, from an attack, unquote. Yes. I think it's also worth noting that it goes the other way. So if you attack a minion with the villain having retaliate, again, you're not attacking the villain, you're attacking the minion. You're just happening to damage the villain with your overkill. That applies to another common question. Will overkilling a guard minion still deal damage onto the villain? Or uh, similarly, if you... Know, defeat a minion and there's a still a guard minion engaged with you does that damage go through the villain and the answer to all those sorts of questions is yes because it's damaging the villain and that damage is from an attack that's fine but you're not attacking the villain the villain does not retaliate against you and you can effectively ignore guard by attacking minion and using overkill uh so next question if a villain with overkill and piercing attacks and i defend with an ally while tough, does the piercing hit my tough status token? Uh, importantly, uh, we're assuming this means that the hero, that the identity is tough, not the ally. And piercing says, an attack with the piercing keyword discards any tough status cards from the target of the attack for dealing damage. And so, as was mentioned, some of the other 
rulings, the target of the attack for overkill is the ally in this case. The ally is the target of the attack. You are taking damage from the attack, but you are not the target of the attack, your identity. So so the status is, is discarded from your identity in this case, but it'll absorb all the overkill damage first. All right, next one is how will overkill interact with the Rocket Raccoon's ability? Yeah, so Rocket Raccoon's ability is murdered you. It's a response. After you deal excess damage to an enemy, draw one card. So if Rocket were to get overkill somehow and you attacked a minion that had less HP than the amount of damage you were dealing with Rocket, the question is, do you still get the card? I think yes, because excess damage is still considered to have been dealt to the, the minion or ally, depending on which way around it's happening. And again, it comes down to the wording of after you deal excess damage to an enemy, does that damage have to be dealt to the enemy or does overkill redirecting it to the villain then mean that this doesn't trigger? And I, yeah, yeah, I, th I think you do get the card either way. Based on the ruling of Moment of Triumph, I think we can safely say you get to draw a card. On to the next question. So how does Overkill work with the Tough Status card? What's the interaction? So if the character that you're attacking or is being attacked by the villain is tough, then it doesn't matter whether the attacking character has Overkill because the tough just soaks up all of the damage. Next question. If I kill a villain stage with overkill damage, can I trigger a response like Yarn Bjorn to deal damage to the new villain stage? Yeah. And so the question is asking, can the damage that Yarn Bjorn is generating then be applied to the new villain stage? So yeah, your hero has overkill. You attack with that character attacking a minion again you're doing more damage than the minion has hp left so some damage spills over to the villain if the current villain's stage's remaining hp is less than the amount of damage that's spilling over you will defeat that villain it'll move on to the next villain stage you can of course trigger Yarnbjorn or similar effects and, and and yeah because it's a response it occurs after the attack so after you've sorted out what's going on with the damage after you've uh, defeated the villain and moved on to the next stage so yeah that damage can go to any enemy in the case of Yarnbjorn and so yes you can apply it to the new stage that's not a problem. To me, this is a good example of the the fact that timings can get complicated very fast. There's, there's a lot of room for a bunch of stuff to happen in between all of these effects, and it's balloon very quickly. So, so the following question. Uh, a player is in alter ego form with one hit point left. They defend a rhino overkill attack for another player using an ally with one hit point left. Does the alter ego take the damage from the overkill? Yes. This is one of the things that was changed at some point in the rules where they've changed overkill to apply to identities rather than heroes, which means that in particular it can damage an alter ego. I'm not sure what, what, what the relevance was of uh, each being one hit point left. Um, I think the, the next question is 
like carry over from that one. That's where it'll matter. The next question. If a player defends for another player and dies to overkill, does the remaining overkill damage go to the original target of the attack? I, I'm pretty sure that's a no because, well, or is it? <laughs> it should be for the same reason that it's a no for the villain stages. It's basically just assuming that the definition of overkill is in fact that it applies to allies and minions, defeating a hero doesn't isn't going to do anything. Right? You don't overkill you defeat a hero. It's not going to go to another. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. For now, as as Theo said, if it really applies only to minions and allies, then it shouldn't. Okay, so now the big one. Um, how does Overkill interact with Wasp's giant form ability to Scott? Okay, so, I mean, she has essentially two abilities, depending on whether she's thwarting or attacking. Obviously, the attack one is the one that's relevant here, and it says, Damage you deal using your basic attack power, ATK in brackets, can be divided among enemies as you choose. So, I mean, I think there's some interesting questions about this regarding what happens with guard minions, and how does all this division work? Um... Yeah, it throws up all sorts of questions. Um, I, I I would assume that it would just work. I don't I don't see anything about dividing up the damage that would make overkill stop functioning. Okay, so if there's like two, let's say there's two, give an example of a real situation. There's two like Ultron bots, and so she uses her attack. Uh, what's her attack? Is it two or three? Three, right? Uh, there was a card which was spoiled from. Uh, Lexi's most wanted that adds like three to the attack and gives it overkill. So if she used that, she would have five attack and overkill. Okay, so five attack and overkill and two Ultron bots. So she could hit one or both, splitting, is it five attack? Splitting five damage. And then, assuming these are still one hit point drones, then she should deal three damage to Ultron if she hits it up. Beat both drones and three damage to Ultron. So it'd be like one damage to one drone, and then four damage to another drone, which would place three on Ultron. She could do this even if engaged with a guard minion that she didn't want to damage. Because otherwise she could just divide it up. She doesn't need overkill for that. <laughs> In order for overkill to even be relevant, somehow she can't damage Ultron just with her regular ability. So if two regular drones plus a the advanced drone that has guard, you can kill the two regular drones, deal three damage to Ultron, and leave the other alone so it's pretty pretty straightforward would you say it's not too tricky yeah to me that feels straightforward i don't quite know why it would be what what about splitting your damage would make overkill stop working i don't think that's true all right yeah i think we're i think we're done so thanks everybody for listening to our december episode on overkill thanks for listening and thanks for coming guys scott and Carol, thank you yeah cheers good night talk to you guys later we hope that was informative. Thanks to Kennedy Hoff and everyone at Marvel Champions Monthly for graciously hosting us. Tune in for our next episode next month. And remember, when you would rather not read the rules reference, listen to the card text instead. All right. Well, that's all we had this week for Marvel Champions Monthly. We'll be back in two weeks with another fun, exciting episode in this new year that is now 2020. Yeah. It's going so well so far. Everything's fine. Just stay at home and play the game. Yeah, just stay at home and play Marvel Champions and wait for Wasp to show up someday.
Just come watch me on Twitch and hang out. Thanks, guys.